sometimes, and I know you know that really well.、Uh, if we say, especially for women, when they look at a job posting, they say, "Ah, I only have sixty percent of it, so I don't apply.、Mm-hmm. I'll wait until I'm comfortable having a hundred percent." And that's kind of common, right, for many people. And my advice, and also through my experience, is sometimes you may not know how to do a job. And that opportunity comes. Say yes, then figure、mm-hmm. it out. Because、mm-hmm. nobody's born with all the experiences and expertise. You、mm-hmm. learn by doing it. So I often encourage people: don't be afraid. If you see an opportunity, you actually don't know how to do it, but you're interested, and you know you have the fundamentals.、Um, to say yes and do it. So those are the three. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fresh Start Podcast, a show where we share success principles, explore the stories, experiences, and journey of real people, in order to provide newcomers with strategies to succeed. My name is David Ojainka. On today's episode, I'll be talking to Ellen Peng, who is the Vice President of Talent Acquisition and Development at Sun Life. On today's episode, Ellen shared how she focused on her strengths to advantage, the importance of mentors, the benefits of a strong network, and much more. Please help me in welcoming Ellen Peng. Thank you so much for joining me on the episode, Ellen. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get right into it、um, with the time we have together. There's a story behind every decision to migrate. Tell us your story and why you migrated to Canada. All right.、Um, it's long story. I'm going to make it short.、Um, so I was born and raised in China. My hometown is actually in northeast of China, close to Russia,、uh, and I grew up poor. The only way to get out of the city and to have a better life is actually go to university. So I was able to、um, enter university, of course, with a good grade. I worked really, really hard for it,、um, and、um, I started working in China. My last job before I decided to come to Canada was actually working for airlines for Northwest Airlines. I was actually.、Um, uh, Flying crew. I was in-flight interpreter, so I was able to travel the world and meeting different people, which is terrific.、Uh, I think it laid a foundation for me、uh, to come to North America and、uh, adapt to the new world、uh, with more ease. I would say,、um, and the reason I came to Canada is actually McGill.、Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to do my master, and I applied for a few. Business schools, and I got admitted to McGill Business School. So I went to Montreal. I started my two-year journey、uh, with the MBA program, which I enjoyed tremendously. And then I fell in love with Montreal, so I stayed. And、um, you blink your eye, and it was 17 years I was in Montreal. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. So、um, you started off as Um, an in-flight interpreter for Northwest Airline. 
At what point did you say to yourself that, you know what, I want to go do my MBA and what was it that made you make that decision? In fact, my dad has a higher expectation on me. He wanted me to be a PhD. Um, and that was reflected in the in my Chinese name, in fact. Um, but, you know, pursuing higher education, building more skills is always in me. Uh, and it's always one of my goals. And when I was working for Northwest Airlines, I was also interacting with people from all over the world, mm-hmm. right? business people, um, very successful people. Mm-hmm. So I was aspired to be one of them. Mm-hmm. So I think that laid also the, the groundwork for me to decide to come to North America mm-hmm. and to see the other side of the world because the traveling also enabled me to explore the world in a different light. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in China, I was looking at right, the, the life in China and interacting mm-hmm. with people um, mm-hmm. in the country. But you know, with Northwest Airlines, I was able to interact with people from uh, all over the world with different mm-hmm. nationalities, different backgrounds, different school of thoughts. So that really opened up my world. And I got curious. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I had choice of going to U.S. or going to uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I think the U.S. education was way too expensive for me <laughs> at the moment. And Canada is also super friendly um, mm-hmm. in, in our mind mm-hmm. uh, and it's immigration country. So mm-hmm. I thought it will be uh, an ideal place to come. Great. You know, you came to Canada to study your MBA at McGill University, but a lot of MBA students go in different directions and for different reasons. For someone with your kind of background, why did you choose human resources? Yeah. First of all, I'm always interested in people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm genuinely interested in people and getting to know them. And also I'm interested in figuring out the rationale behind behaviors. Um, and, And human resources is art. A lot of people actually don't know so much about it. Sometimes my friend would ask me, hey, you're in human resources, what do you do? Hiring and firing people? <laughs> of course, it's a joke. Um, but I also show that people are lacking understanding uh, mm-hmm. of this function, right? And I think in business, human resources can be super strategic because we often say um, people are the asset mm-hmm. of the organization. So mm-hmm. human capital is super critical. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, to continue my interest and my strength in exploring uh, the human capital and be able to help people to grow uh, and find their career path and to be able to contribute to organizations. And that's super rewarding. I think my interest um, to human resources are from my MBA, um, but also really strengthened during my, I would say, 20 years in human resources. Fantastic. But I'm curious to know, what kind of impact do you think business school had on your career? I think business school actually um, enabled me to put all the puzzles together, Mm -hmm. right? Because we were exposed to a function of a business. Um, Example for me was, you know, before my in-flight interpreter job, I was actually working for uh, aerospace industry, but in more sales and marketing field, right? Um, The business school teaches as all functions from finance to strategy to marketing to operational management 
So it really gave you an opportunity to see business um, all at once and how they interconnect it. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a good foundation when you go to um, the business again and trying to see, oh, that's what it really means. And you can practice and apply what you have learned from business school. So for me, it was a great experience and gave me that roadmap to see how those business functions interact with each other. It was really helpful uh, even with my HR career because HR is about to deliver value to business, mm-hmm. support business. If you don't understand business, you're not going to be um, providing the value you wanted. That's, that's impressive. But let's go back to the beginning of um, life after business school. <laughs> Because a lot of people go back to school to do their master's degree, their MBA, and then when they're done, they struggle to get a job in something that they're really interested in. They are either told that you don't have the experience, you don't have the background, you don't have the skill set. You know, there are so many things that they're told. And especially the internationally trained immigrants who come into Canada with the mindset of, you know what, I have international experience. They still find it very difficult to get a job in their field. Tell us, how did you get your foot into the door, into the HR space? What was it that helped you to land your first human resources job for somebody coming with a completely different background? And that's a terrific question. Um, I actually have a good story to share. Um, for my first job in human resources. Uh, I recall when I was doing my first year MBA, uh, we had the career fair. I think you're familiar with that with all universities. There are companies who come to the campus and, and then introduce their company and some of the potential jobs. So for the future graduate to understand their business. So there I was um, able to talk to different people. And one of the recruiters from Bell Canada Enterprise. I just hit it off with her and we we're able to uh, connect and discuss. And I think I might have left a good impression because she gave me her personal business card um, in the world of recruitment. And now I'm in re- human resources for 20 years. I know I don't give out my personal business card. I give the company card, right? Because otherwise your inbox will be flooded with all emails, mm-hmm. uh, which you cannot, you know, if, uh, answer all of them. So with her, uh, she actually gave me her personal um, contact. I remain connected with her during the mm-hmm. whole year. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily say, you know, I need a job or whatsoever. Rather, it's more hey, what's going on in the organization. I found a nice article I can share with her. I will say, um, Happy New Year or Merry Christmas. I will send a card, right? So I really kept that relationship going. And the second year, it's the time I was about to graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's the time I needed to look for a job more seriously. Um, and the career fair was approaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought about her and I sent her a note. I said, hey, are you coming this year again? And she actually said, no, I'm not coming, but you know, I'm open to chat and reconnect. Maybe you can have a breakfast. Mm-hmm. So I took that opportunity for sure. And during the breakfast, I actually mentioned uh, one of the jobs I saw from um, the website. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, 
the person who is hiring for this job just sit next to me. Mm-hmm. Look at that. What what are the chances? So of course is to introduce me to the hiring manager, and we had a um, very nice conversation. But some, you know, somewhere along the line, that job was put on hold, and that happened also all the time in business, right? You have mm-hmm. a posting, but for whatever reasons, you're not going to proceed.、Mm-hmm. But because I left a good impression, a month later I got a call. It was another hiring manager who. Is in need of talent, and the manager I met previously highly recommended me.、Mm-hmm. So I got my first job in human resources. So I thought it was actually a nice story to share because networking is so important in getting the job. I keep saying to many people, including immigrants, right, and、um, uh, newcomers. So the real job,、uh, over sixty percent of job, is actually not done through online application. Is through networking, so building relationship with your network with other people super important. Interesting, and I find that、uh, that insight you just provided very very useful and very very true for yourself. And looking at your own journey, you've done very well in your career. You've grown to a senior leadership level, an executive in a multinational company. As an immigrant woman and visible minority, did you ever think you would rise to this level in your career? Well, that's also a very good question. I think when I was younger, I didn't think I would go that far. But I always know I want to excel.、Uh, I am very driven and I'm very perseverant.、Um, and as I mentioned, it's also related to my upbringing. Right? I was growing up in a very poor environment and To be the best, it's almost all in my DNA. So you have to be the top student to go to university. You have to be the top people in the company to、uh, continue to progress. So that that spirit was always with me. And in my journey, and I totally agree with you. There are a lot of barriers, right? Language, culture,、uh, don't know how to navigate in the corporate world,、um, don't know you know when to sh- to shine and where to shine. You know, hard to find the network. So all these things can be barriers. But if I look at my career, I think the couple of things that stand out. And when people ask me to how you break those glass ceilings for immigrants <laughs> as a woman and a visible minority, just as you mentioned, I actually think first of all, I didn't think myself as a visible minority.、Mm-hmm. Or yes, I am a woman, but I never really. Dig into all、oh, the difference between men and women. I don't focus on that.、Mm-hmm. I focus on me as an individual. What values I can bring to the table?、Mm-hmm. How I can help the organization or my boss、mm-hmm. to make her life easier,、mm-hmm. right? Or you know, make sure that I'm proactively proposing something even I'm not asked、mm-hmm. to make sure that I understand the ask from my boss, but why? And then I may be able to offer. Um, solutions beyond what she can think of. So、mm-hmm. I was treating myself really as a professional,、mm-hmm. and then I forget about the limit or the barrier,、mm-hmm. which in turn do me a favor because I never really limit myself.、Mm-hmm. And I often say, you know, if you don't set a limit, you know, to yourself, you kind of remove that unconscious bias towards yourself.、Mm-hmm. Then the world will become bigger. 
right? Mm-hmm. That's one thing I would share. Second thing I want to share is continuous learning. Mm-hmm. So I keep driving myself to learn different things, build the skills I never had, mm-hmm. um, flex the muscles, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also, uh, I always remember what my mom says, saying, you know, language and skills are something you put in your back pocket mm-hmm. and nobody can take that away from you. So for me, continue to build skills that can lead you to many other career opportunities, mm-hmm. right? And, and I give you one example. When I first arrived in Montreal, I didn't speak French. Mm-hmm. I didn't speak a word of it. My mm-hmm. first word wasn't bonjour nor merci. I was like, you know, trying to find a place to stay. So my first word was alloui, which is for rent, right? Um, and uh, when I started my HR job with BCE, my colleagues, they were really kind and, and generous during the work time. We can use English to get by. But during the lunchtime, they always speak French. And I was not able to participate. I was not able to uh, understand what they're saying. It was miserable. But at that moment of time, I had two choices. One is stay miserable. Mm-hmm. Two mm-hmm. is do something about it. Mm-hmm. Right? So I decided to learn French. And I raised my hand to my boss. I said, I want to give up all my vacations this year. I want to take some unpaid leave. And I want to do a French immersion program. And he was super surprised because he hasn't received any <laughs> requests like that. Mm-hmm. And he actually said, Helen, if you come back and your French improves tremendously, I'll give you back your vacation. Mm-hmm. So with that, I went to Quebec City, stayed in the basement of uh, a family's house and uh, um, go to language school during the day and play with the kids and cook with the family at night. That's how I started speaking French. And of course, uh, when I come back, my boss gave me back my vacation. And that's a beautiful story. But all I wanted to say is you have to be determined to mm-hmm. build a skill that you don't have and don't make it a limitation mm-hmm. for you. And that takes determination. It takes resilience. It takes perseverance. Uh, but you will reap the benefit after. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the second point I want to share is the build the skills. The last one, um, it's really related to opportunity, how you see the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, and I know you know that really well, uh, if we say, especially for women, when they look at a job posting, they say, ah, I only have 60% of it, so I don't apply. Mm-hmm. I'll wait until I'm comfortable having 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of common, right, for many people. And my advice, and also through my experience is, sometimes you may not know how to do a job and that opportunity comes. Say yes, then Mm -hmm. figure it out. Mm -hmm. Because nobody's born with all the experiences and expertise. You Mm -hmm. learn by doing it. So I often encourage people, don't be afraid. If you see an opportunity, you actually don't know how to do it, but you're interested and you know you have the fundamentals um, to say yes and do it. So those are the three um, things I want to share. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that personal story because it drives the point home when you explain it with a story. Now let's talk more about mentorship because you mentioned something earlier mm-hmm. about you know you network with this 
um, HR professional, you kept in touch with her, you built that relationship, you guys met up in person, and you mentioned to her a role you saw, and with the, as, as fate would have it, she, the person you mentioned to her that was hiring for that role sits right beside her. The lines were falling for you in pleasant places, I would say, but you put in the work, obviously. You built that relationship. Yeah. You didn't go with the intention of, you know, I want to get a job from you, but you went with the intention of, I want to help you. I want to provide resources mm -hmm. for you that will help you. And so it was more comfortable and easier for that person to say, who were the people or a person that you look up to as you were growing in your career? Or even right now, who are the people that have played integral role in your career? And how did they get to the point of vouching for you, advocating for you, and recommending you for opportunities? And that's a terrific question. In fact, I'm a firm believer in mentorship. And across my whole career, I always have a mentor, regardless which organization I go. And I don't wait for my boss to assign me a mentor. I actually find my mentor most of the time myself. Of course, I can discuss with my boss. Uh, and, but most of the time, I kind of just spot a role model uh, and someone I, I look up to and someone I want to become. It, it, that's, that's really important for many other people to know you need to find someone resonate with you and share the same value and you really want to become that person regardless of the title uh, and uh, the status. So for me, across my whole life, I would say there are many mentors. Um, I wanted to go also give credit to my parents to start with because um, one thing they give me and I always benefit for life was confidence. Because in my parents' eyes, no matter what I do, uh, I will always be the most beautiful girl uh, in the world. I think that's um, a rare quality uh, that parents or gift, right? The parents can give it to their kids. And with that uh, confidence, I was able to navigate my career um, across many years. So I would say the first mentors was actually my parents. And when I enter the, the workforce, especially in North America, I've had so many different mentors. As I mentioned, I look, I seek them out. And if somebody is worried about kind of like approach someone out of blue and you're gonna get it rejected, I said, don't worry. Nine out of 10 times people would say yes. Because most of the times when you reach out saying, hey, you know, I'm looking for a mentor in your organization. I want to grow and you become a role model for me. Would you like to be my mentor? I would say in my experience, 10 out of 10 times worked out. Mm -hmm. And you may in general, probably nine out of the time that will work out. And I actually do the same with other people who approach me. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I realized is actually uh, very effective. Mm -hmm. And what I learned from my mentors tremendously many many in many many fields so i'll give you some examples um in my early career i was at a crossroad and i didn't know where uh, i should go i started uh, with hr but it was a compensation and um at that point of time i felt oh um i can do my job well but i didn't feel the 
the passion and the flames and the flares in it. So I asked myself, what's next? And that's where my mentor actually helped me um, in terms of giving me uh, some directions on how to do the soul searching and come up to the solution uh, myself. She asked me to, to do an exercise where uh, I feel uh, I, I'm at my best. So she said, write down three scenarios where you feel you're at your best, which I did. Uh, and then I could find a common thread, which is I feel I'm at my best when I'm able to share my experience, my wisdom, or uh, my knowledge with others and really see the difference I made in their life. Mm-hmm. So then with that, I was able to do the reverse engineering to say which part of the HR will enable me to do more of those. Mm-hmm. And that's how I get into the talent side mm-hmm. uh, of the human resources. So, so that exercise, I still recommend many people to do if you, you are also at the crossroad, right, of your career. So that's one example that I learned from my mentor. Uh, and the second one, I would say, one of my mentors who's really um, senior executive right now in another organization, um, he also is a role model for me. And one thing he said, it resonated with me um, throughout the years. So he said, Helen, when I look at my job, 50% of the time, I'm focused on what I'm hired for, you know, to deliver, right, Mm -hmm. uh, the job functions. But another 50%, I'm focusing on what additional value is outside of my job description that I can bring. Mm -hmm. So that's such a revelation for me. And, you know, it stays with me for my career. So I don't just stay within the zone um, of my, you know, accountability only, right? I always look for additional value I can bring. Mm-hmm. So that's also uh, a very, very, um, you know, good, uh, uh, I would say, words of wisdom that my mentor shared with me. Mm-hmm. And the most recent example is my current mentor, who's also, um, you know, the executive vice president um, in my company. And uh, she is so humble. Mm -hmm. So basically she said, oh, I hired this one who's better than me in this. And I hired the other one and who's better than me on that. Mm -hmm. So basically she says, I'm hiring people who are smarter than me Mm -hmm. so that I can have the best people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that attitude always um, inspired me to be a humble leader and then to uh, lead your organization and bring the best in your people, mm-hmm. not just for yourself to shine, rather you believe they're better than you and they will help you uh, and you're always in it together. So mm-hmm. those are, you know, great, um, I would say, uh, words of wisdom or sharing that they have uh, with me that contribute to my growth as well. This is the end of part one. We've actually got a lot more coming in part two. I love the fact that Eileen was very authentic. And as you can tell, it was a great conversation with Eileen. And I'm excited for part two where Eileen discussed extensively about the importance a mentor and a sponsor can have on someone's career and many more. So stay tuned for part two coming in the next episode of the Fresh Start Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fresh Start. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone you know and love. Please go ahead and subscribe on any platform you listen to your podcast. And also please take a moment to leave us a review because that would help us to reach more audience. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at freshstartorb. If you know any newcomer you think would be a good fit to interview for the podcast, we'd like to hear from you. Please go to www.thefreshstartorb.com to nominate someone. We appreciate you and remember, no matter how hard the past is, you can always begin again. Take care and have a great week.